0: Hello and welcome to Sit and Listen, a production of Science in the News. We are a graduate student-led organization at Harvard University focused on generating discussions between scientists, other experts, and enthusiasts.
1: The global pandemic caused by the novel coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, has changed the world and altered all of our lives. In this series of episodes titled Scientists at Home, we present narratives of life and research during the pandemic from scientists and academics. Across a broad range of disciplines and stages of their careers.
0: We hope that in hearing these narratives, you'll feel a sense of camaraderie with the scientific community as we acclimate to these difficult times. Thank you for listening today. My name is Edward Chen, and I am a master's student at Harvard studying Immunology. Joining me today is Suba Dembi, an undergraduate student also at Harvard. Suba is a junior majoring in Molecular and Cellular Biology with a secondary in Energy and Environment. Suba also performs research in the laboratory of Professor Doug Kwan. This interview was recorded on November 20th, 2020. During this semester, we were both taking MCB-169, an immunology course offered by Professor Shiv Pillay, who Suba references several times during our interview. We're very excited to have you tune in today, and hope you enjoy. Hi Suba, thank you for meeting with me today. Would you like to start with something about yourself? Introduce yourself, your name, your major, your year?
1: Yeah. So my name is Suba Demby. I'm a junior at Harvard College. I'm studying molecular and cellular biology with a secondary in energy and environment. I'm pre-med and I'm really interested in understanding the intersection between environmental determinants of health and medicine. And on campus, a couple things that I do is that I'm an EMT with Crimson EMS. I um, am a global health ambassador with Harvard's global health institute and recently i joined the Quan lab at the reagan institute and i'm working on research um, with that group as well so it's just a little bit about me
0: that's great thanks and may i start with like a fun interview question sure okay so tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on
1: oh okay I think, well, this might be a hot take, but winter break is like supremely better than summer break. I think the fact that you have the holidays, New Year's, just things to celebrate is much more enjoyable than like three months of doing God knows what.
0: In this case, I actually have to say that I, I, I can agree with you. You agree? But yeah, that's a really nice one, thanks. And if it's okay, may we start with questions about your research? Yeah. So I mean, you just mentioned that you are in the Qualab. lab. So what is your research on?
1: Yeah, so I just recently joined and I'm remote right now, but in general, we're really interested in, under. well, my, my postdoc and I in our group, we're really interested in understanding the microbial composition of the vaginal microbiome and understanding what about those dynamics between microbes impacts a woman's susceptibility to disease? And specifically in the Quan Lab, we're interested in how specific microbes can protect um, the host or exacerbate risk um, for HIV acquisition.
0: That sounds pretty neat. And how did you get started in this research?
1: Yeah, so, I planned on the summer after my sophomore year finding a lab that I would work on, work with for the rest of my time um, at Harvard. And with COVID, it kind of went out the window and I was really struggling to find a lab that really um, matched with my interest. And then this semester we're in the same class, but I met Shiv and I was talking to him about my interests and I was really interested in um, immunology and epidemiology. And he's working in sub-Saharan Africa as well, because I grew up there and I was interested in infectious diseases. And he said, oh, well, that sounds like the Reagan Institute, like in a nutshell, that kind of work, because um, like across the board, um, from various, you know, perspectives, they're working their work surrounds HIV. And so he connected me with Doug Kwan and I talked to one of his postdocs who was working in like what I'm working in now. And I really love the lab environment, how it was socially conscious directed um, research. And it was a really just a, a collaborative and supportive environment. And it was a perfect fit. So that's how I ended up there.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds great. And like, what is something people tend to misunderstand about your research?
1: Well, I would say my uh, vaginal microbiome research is very, it was pretty novel. I think a lot of microbiome research has focused in the gut. And so when it comes to vaginal microbiome research, a lot of the research has been done in white women in wealthier countries. And I think that's also kind of skewed kind of perspectives of what research we should be looking into and what populations we should be looking into. And I think what the Quan Lab has really emphasized, or just the Reagan Institute has emphasized is, okay, we should assess where there is disease burden. And how can you be discussing HIV acquisition or like um, trying to reduce risk for women without ever looking at women in these high risk areas? So actually sampling South African women has been a really pivotal point in vaginal microbiome research because you are assessing women who are high risk and like using that to drive your data or like drive your research interest, which is I think really important.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So you probably are hoping to apply your research. They can help women in sub-Saharan Africa and other places. Mm -hmm. So maybe, what do you see, like what's next in terms of what your research could do?
1: Yeah, so I think the overarching like big goal is to find some sort of treatment for high-risk women to help um, just like reduce the risk of HIV acquisition, whether that be in the form of, pro- of a probiotic or some sort of um, treatment for these women uh, to reduce their risk. So I think that's a very obtainable or like realistic goal and would have tremendous impacts um, on these women.
0: Okay, thanks. And- you said that you're doing research online, and I guess that that's because of the pandemic. So are there other things that you needed to change because of the pandemic?
1: Well, I think like the whole nature of what I've been able to do has been limited substantially by the pandemic and hopefully next semester, I'll be able to be there in person. Um, I guess a positive of it is that I've gotten to spend, slowly integrate myself into the work, focus a lot on literature reviews, which has been really helpful. But I mean, the core of the work that I want to do involves wet lab, like cell culturing and then data analysis. So it's been a slower introduction because of the pandemic, but hopefully um, I'll be able to be in person soon. But it's definitely been I think even like my advisors have always have advised me because I'm interested in writing a thesis that you need to like because of COVID, you need to have some sort of your thesis that can be done remotely because like you only have x amount of days and you need to be able to produce something so having a, a part of your project be um, able to be completed remotely is like an important aspect.
0: I hope that your research is going well so far
1: yeah it's been it's been a slow process just getting integrated because I'm new to the lab but it's a really exciting work so I'm motivated to work so it's that's always good
0: okay that's that's great so. Shifting gears a little bit, how are your classes going?
1: Oh wow, okay. <laughs> classes have been content-wise pretty standard. Like I think most of my classes have been able to transition well in that aspect to remote learning. But I think Zoom fatigue is very real, and it's hard to stay motivated in your classes when you don't really have, you know, the one-on-one connections with your peers that like help you get through courses. I think STEM courses in general like are, require a lot of collaboration with your peers because a lot of it is PSET based and studying for exams and finding a way to navigate that space where you where you can interact with people online but you're still like alone is, is been kind of hard. But I think being an upperclassman it's helped a lot because I've already established like networks with other students. So yeah, it's been interesting.
0: Okay. And you you mentioned that science is about collaboration, right? And this might be a little specific, but do you have any group projects this semester versus maybe pre-COVID semesters? I'm not sure.
1: So not in my like science classes, but like I'm taking a gen ed on climate change. And that's been one of the courses where I have group projects. That has been a little difficult, like actually really hard virtually. And my group members, and this is like a rare case, but all my group members are in different time zones. So like it's been very stressful in that sense because you can't blame anyone for being in a different time zone, but like trying to coordinate that just makes it really hard.
0: Yeah, I can I can definitely imagine that that's yeah. really a lot, something that's really different. Yeah. Do you feel that it's overwhelming because of changes from the pandemic, like your classes, do you feel that's difficult to do well?
1: I definitely think that, it's been like emotionally draining being in your home setting, trying to do school. And I think a lot of students can resonate with this where like you don't feel motivated enough or like have the mental willpower to produce the best work you've ever produced where like, I feel like in person at school, like school is my only focus. So like you try your best, but when you're at home in the home environment, it's like there's so many other factors involved in your life where it's like, it's hard to push yourself to like produce the best work you've ever produced. So I feel like with papers and things like that, it's like, sometimes I feel like I'm just doing it to like meet the word count or get it done. But I like don't have the bandwidth to like make it the best paper ever, you know?
0: Yeah. And what are the things that, what are some things that you might do to help you adjust to the differences?
1: Well, I think even though we can't be in person with other people, like making an effort to like form study groups, even if it's like once a week, just to like check your homework or like review an exam, I think has really helped because, you know, you see people on Zoom classes, but you can't talk to them, like you can't interact with them really. But like being in an informal setting without teachers, like that definitely has been like a comfort during this time. And also just being frank with your teachers and your TFs, like just saying, Like I'm really struggling. Like, can I get more support, or like, can you relax on like the assignments? Because they also like it's this is a new setting for them too. And some teachers think that they're doing a lot, but it's actually making the students' experience harder. So like, just being frank and having that open communication with teaching staff has also like helped relieve some of that um, that burden.
0: Do you think your professors or other teaching staff are like are accessible?
1: Uh, some are like Shiv is great, um, and yeah, I think I think always like TFs like graduate students are always a lot more accessible, which makes sense. But um, I think some professors have made a conscious effort, but some think that what they did in person can just translate online, and maybe they don't realize that that makes them less accessible to students, but. I don't think any professor is intentionally trying to make themselves make themselves less accessible to students, but some have been like more conscious of like, oh, I need to do more than usual for these students during this time.
0: And touching on that again, like how well do you think that your classes have transitioned to online? Do you think Harvard has mostly done a good job of that or it really depends on the class or? Uh,
1: okay. <laughs> I think some classes honestly have done very well with like adapting to the form, uh, online format, where it be, whether it be like reducing lecture time or like adding online modules to have like a different form. I think some have done like a really good job of really redesigning the course. Other classes who like try to maintain the same structure as like in-person, like I don't think that translated very well, like classes that maintain their exam structure or their homework structure. I don't think that that was as successful for students because like we're we're missing all the support networks that allow those regular structures to work. And so that's been like very upsetting because I don't know, especially with tuition costs, I'm very salty about it because it's like, this is not the same experience and I'm very frustrated that like some classes are like trying to convince students that this is the same experience.
0: I see. And now you sort of, you mentioned before, like at the very beginning that you did some other things that aren't class and art research. So what do you do outside of class and research? Could you talk about them again?
1: Yeah, uh, so when I was on campus, like my main extracurricular activity was being an EMT with Crimson EMS. And that was like a great experience. We we got to do so much beyond just serving shifts. We taught CPR classes and Stop the Bleed. And that was really amazing. But then when we went remote, it kind of, our operations had to stop obviously because there were no shifts to serve. And so we had to transition more into supporting um, our organization internally. And I think across the board for a lot of student orgs, it's been a difficult transition because it's normally an outlet um, from classes, but then with Zoom and stuff, it becomes the same format. So I also am the Publications Director for the Black Premedical Society at Harvard College. And we and a lot of other orgs have struggled with people coming to programming. Like we spend a lot of time like creating events and things like that to help students and like just have social events. And it's been really hard to have turnout good turnout to those events because no one wants to like go on Zoom at 5 p.m. even if it's for a social. Um, so it's it's been hard for orgs to transition in that sense.
0: Okay, and because I don't really know anything about Crimson EMS, do you want to say more about it? Is it like a student run EMS organization that is like yeah. the EMS service on Harvard or something like that?
1: I'm yes. really not sure. It's Harvard's volunteer student run um, EMT service. Uh, Harvard's a little unique in that, like, we partner with one of Cambridge's um, ambulance service, Pro EMS. But on campus, we like serve uh, parties, football game, like varsity sports, intramural sports, um, and, yeah, any like college events, like commi- uh, commencement and things like that. And then we also have our, our outreach events. So that's been like, and I think what what's appealing about Crimson EMS for a lot of people is that they subsidize. Um, certification. So if you are accepted, you can have the EMT certification course um, free of charge, which is really appealing for a lot of students who were that would pose a financial burden. Um, And then what other? Yeah, so I mentioned like the Black Medical Society, and then I'm also a student ambassador for Harvard Global Health Institute. And Like we schedule programming for students interested in global health and how they can access different resources. I think that's one of the few um, committees that I'm on that like has had successful programming because like directly related to like helping people find opportunities even during like the remote semester and like helping people with their concentration. So that one's been, has like had a decent transition. But I would say like other social orgs it's been very difficult and it's not the org's fault. Like a lot of them have been, you know, creating programming, but it's just people, it's it's a, it's a lot mentally to go to another Zoom event, even if it's interesting.
0: Yeah, you're right. And sorry to put you in another Zoom meeting.
1: Oh, no, this is fine. This is like low stakes and it's just a conversation. So it's not too bad.
0: So like, how, how, have, how have those organizations tried to adjust though? Like- did they do anything besides having more Zoom events?
1: So some orgs have tried to like, or like this is also like we have, do you understand like the house system at Harvard College? Sort of. Yeah, so every upperclassman is sorted into a house and that's like their house for the next three years. A lot of like the houses and student orgs have had like asynchronous events where it's like the first 50 people to sign up for this event can like have chocolate sent to your house and you can like have a live chocolate tasting or you can like, like I just did that the other day. That was so fun, things like that. Or like if you are the first, one of the first 90 people like will send you a canvas and paint and you can like paint with your friends or something on Zoom by yourself or like do it asynchronously. So that's been popular. And then also to incentivize people going to Zoom events there's been a lot of like food vouchers where it's like, if you come you'll get like an Uber Eats voucher. So that's been very helpful. Like, I think you need to incentivize the Zoom events for people to come. So money has been helpful.
0: Yeah, you're right. That's like taking, like, free pizza to a whole another level. Yeah. And is it... Do you feel it's significantly harder to connect with people? Because you sort of... You have already made friends because you're, you're a junior, right? But do you feel that's harder to connect to people?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say... I haven't been able really to connect with new people. And so I imagine for freshmen or even sophomores where it's like you're banking on being in person to like deepen your connections, it um, is definitely hard to connect with new people. I think also it's like hard to also connect with your current friends because I don't know, everyone kind of is in their own space. And it's like, again, the same forum to like hang out with your friends, even like in a low stakes informal setting. So I think that has been, it's been difficult to just motivate yourself to check in with your friends, even though like you're yearning for connection, but like not through Zoom. So it's like hard to, um, I guess, keep the, intentionally like keep those connections.
0: Do you feel that you're part of a community or is that sense of community sort of gone now?
1: Mm. I don't know, I feel like regardless of where you are, like the students are always like connected, but I feel like there's definitely a disconnect from Harvard as an institution, um, especially like just, I think a lot of people have had taken issue with, I'm not gonna go into specifics, but just like in general, of like how this remote semester was handled and like just communication with students. I think there's definitely been more of a disconnect and like separation between Students who are remote, and then the institution. So I would say that.
0: Okay. Is there anything that's been positively changed because of the pandemic? I mean,
1: um, I guess like little things. Um, it's nice to not have to like walk to a building for office hours, especially if like <laughs> your class is at the medical school or some or the public health school. That's like really nice. And even though I feel more busy on like remote during this remote semester, like I can still, I feel like now a lot more activities and things are accessible to me. And like a lot of like different schools can have like speaker events that you can go to because there's like no barrier in that sense to like accessing those events. Like a lot of events have become free because like virtual programming doesn't cost anything. So I think in that sense, like it's opened up, more um, opportunities to explore different events and things like that.
0: Can I ask where you're living? Like, are you on campus or off campus? I think you're off campus.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm at home in Potomac, Maryland.
0: Yeah. Okay. And do you want to, like, describe your living situation? Do you feel that it, you said that it sort of hinders your learning because?
1: Well, yeah, I just feel like, a lot of people are in a different mindset when they're at home. They like maybe have responsibilities. Like I certainly have more responsibilities at home, but plus side, like I get much better food because Harvard food is terrible. Like I'm fortunate that like my home, my like my home situation is like stable and supportive. So it's not negatively impacting school in that sense, but it's just like the fact that I'm in my, my childhood room, like I'm not motivated to work in here, <laughs> and, I, and I feel like, especially as it gets colder, like there's no real escape to go outside. So, I think in that sense, yeah, it's harder.
0: It's nice that your living situation is stable, and that's yeah. nice here. Yeah. And I think that you might have said that you plan to live on campus in the spring.
1: Yeah, either on campus or maybe find an apartment to live because some of my blocking mates also want to come um, back to Cambridge but well, that's like a whole other beast. Like I've never lived off campus or gotten an apartment, but I've heard from students that living on campus is not ideal, especially for like how much you're paying. So I'm like looking into both.
0: Okay. Do you think it's a complicated process to live on campus or is it less of that and more of like the cost?
1: Um, well, I think it's just like, it's complicated in that there are like so many restrictions um, like what times you can go out, you can't really interact with a lot of other people. Um, and then the food situation isn't great either. And you're also alone. So I think for obviously, if you have to be on campus because of like your thesis work or other obligations, like it's not it's still like you can you can live and still go to school and everything like that. but I don't think it's ideal.
0: Okay. And after like, most of the semester has already passed, are you happy that you're living at home versus on campus or in Cambridge? Like, are you happy that you chose to live at home?
1: Honestly, for this first semester, because like it was the first time being virtual, I'm glad I stayed at home, I think. And also just like, with the craziness of the pandemic and the elections, I like that I was like at home with my family. But I think I've gotten the hang of like remote school and I feel like with undergrad it's just like especially like it's a ticking like the clock is just ticking in terms of like your access to like Harvard facilities and just like being on campus and as much as I love being home like I'm only going to be at Harvard for four years and like I've already lost a year so I want to go back even if it's like not the most ideal situation.
0: I see but I mean as you brought up earlier like during winter break, or even during Thanksgiving, at least you'll get to spend time with your family. Yeah, versus if you were on campus, that might not be possible.
1: Yeah, I it's weird because when I was on campus, I feel like when you get stressed, everyone was like, Oh, I can't wait to go home, and then the universe was like, Okay, stay home for nine months, and I was like, Whoa, that's not what I meant. But like during the holidays, I definitely am happy to be home.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's nice. Now, just is there anything that I didn't ask you so far that you would like to say or elaborate on?
1: Um, I don't know if I have any other, I think you covered most of what I would wanna say.
0: That's good, I just wanted to check with you. So I guess overall, are you satisfied with this semester in terms of everything? I mean,
1: well, I would say, given the state of the world, I can't complain too much. I'm glad that I was able to, you know, complete this. Well, hopefully, I'll complete the semester. We still have exams and all that, but um, I'm thankful that I was able to, like, go to school remotely, take classes I wanted to, and I was. I feel like I was supported enough throughout the process, so I'm. I'm happy I chose to enroll this. This semester.
0: Okay. Do you feel that there's anything big that hard missed? Is there any like obvious changes that they could have made, or that, that you think that they they should do for the future? Any
1: one, they one hundred percent cannot justify increasing tuition or keeping it this high. And I think there should have been, I guess, a more. I don't. I don't know what went into like them tra- transitioning classes remotely, but I do feel as though like. There were some classes that clearly demonstrated that they like invested in transitioning classes remotely and some classes that did not. And I think that impacted students' experiences. So I would like to see either more transparency in like classes explaining what they've done to change the course or like Harvard universalizing like standards for what remote classes should look like.
0: Are there any aspects of the semester that you think will be carried forward
1: I guess for some courses they like opened it up to like all the the college and all the other like graduate schools which i think has actually been a really great experience to have that and um just have that connection with the other call with other schools which i liked and i hope they continue that because i think it's it really enhances the learning experience and yeah i think that's like the main thing i would ask like for that to continue
0: okay thanks and this will be my second to last question. So what was your personal experience when classes moved online in March? Just describe uh, your experience, your thoughts.
1: Oh okay so it was 9 a.m and I was walking to physics lecture. I was already upset because it was so early and then we I was walking with my friend and we got a notification saying that like classes were going online and we were all kind of happy because it's like okay, we can just like stay on campus and we'll be online like maybe our exams will be canceled or midterms will be canceled. And then we get like a second notice saying, okay, you need to leave in five days. And it was we were it was just like a very traumatic five days for like everyone saying goodbye to like the seniors and just like our spring semester basically being over. So that was like a very upsetting five days. And then the next couple of weeks, it was the big issue was are we going to be graded on like a letter scale or pass fail? And a lot, I mean, I think every student is intentional with their semester in terms of like, what co- what concentration requirements they're trying to fulfill, like what they need to do to fix their GPA or increase it. And I think, I felt like student input wasn't, I don't know how involved the students were in the process. I mean, ultimately it was fair to have a pass fail because there are so many different home dynamics, but um, that was also stressful. because I think a lot of people were banking on that semester. Um, like every semester to, you know, improve their GPA, in whatever capacity they needed to. So that was, it was a crazy end of the semester, I would say that.
0: Thanks. It's nice to hear about this because I guess that, that graduate students won't really know how undergrads feel, I think, because we don't necessarily overlap. Like maybe some graduate students will be TFs, but otherwise, it's sort of like there's a disconnect between these, these two worlds sort Mm
1: -hmm. of yeah that's really cool I'm excited to see what you guys do that'll be awesome
0: Yeah, yeah yeah that's great